Parshas Maseh begins with a recap of the journey that Am Yisrael took through the Midbar. To a certain extent, this recap is redundant. And if one goes through the parshas carefully, from Parshas Beshalach to the current parsha, one will see in the Torah where it mentions the different stops along the journey. The Rambam in Marnavuchim asks, therefore, why was it necessary to have this recap? Does it make any sense that the Torah would have an entire section from which we learn nothing? The Rambam gives an answer to, to this question, which we'll get to later. However, one could take two different approaches to answer this question. One, first of all, we might find certain discrepancies between the way that the, the, the journey is recounted in Parshas Maseh with the way that it's mentioned in the Torah itself. And from these discrepancies, we may be able to learn something specific about, about specific place parts of the journey. On the other hand, what I would like to do is focus on a certain discrepancy within the parsha of Maseh itself. We find certain places, most psukim, where the simple Vayisu Vayachnu format is used, and there is no extra detail that's mentioned about those particular places along the road. And there are other places where the Torah goes into detail. For instance, at the beginning, the Torah goes into very, very great t- detail. First of all, it tells you the date of the initial uh, leg of the journey. And then, you go into the standard format. And then there's a deviation from the standard for- format. It tells you something about that particular location. And the question is, when did the Torah deviate from the standard format? And when did the Torah li- limit itself to the standard format? The Ramban asks this question, referring to two different psukim. The Pasuk, in Pasuk Chet, it says, V'yavu b'tochayom ha-medbara v'yachu derech shoshi amim ha-medbara itam v'yachanu b'mara. And it mentions Mara, standard v'yachanu, telling us nothing about what happened in Mara. On the other hand, and we know that in Mara there was a whole problem with water. On the other hand, when it gets to Rafidim, so there it says, V'yisum ya'alush v'yachanu b'rafidim v'lo haya shamayim la'idal ashtot. And the question is, why did it mention the lack of water in Rafidim, and it did not mention the problem of water in Marah? What was the difference? Why over here does it expand? And over here it's given in a much more limited way. The Ramban answers, Lo hizkir b'marah neis hamayim, v'lo ilbar sin inyan haman, aval b'avor hayot Rafidim davar gadol, shenisu at Hashem nekram akom asom riva. The events that happened at Rafidim were much more, much more important than those that happened in Mara and those that happened in Midbar Sin by the Man, and therefore it mentions specifically Masao Meriva and what happened over there with the rock. Also, the Melchama of Amalek happened in the wake of what happened in Rafidim. And therefore, it it deviated from the standard format and it mentioned in order that we should reflect on what happened in Rafidim. But what happened in Maran, what happened in Rasin was less important. 
The obvious pro- problem that one, ha- one has with what the Ramban says is that there are much more dramatic and important events which are not mentioned at all. For instance, would one think that what happened in Rafidim is more important than Mamar HaSinai, where the Torah was given? Would one think that it was more important than Chetam Raglim? But when one goes through the list of the journey, there is no mention of Mamar HaSinai whatsoever. It says, Vayisum Rifidim, Vayachanub Rasinai, Vayisum Rasinai, Vayachanub Kivrotatava, and it simply mentions and skips over Mamar Rasinai. Later on, Vayachanub Chatzirot, Vayisum Chatzor, Vayachanub Ritma, Vayisum Ravayachanub Ritma, Pavets, there's no mention at all of Chetam Raglim. So, how could we claim that more important events are stressed, while less important events are skipped over? The most important events that one has in the Midbar, Chet HaMaraglim, Mamar HaSinai, Chet HaEgel, are not mentioned whatsoever. When one takes a look, a closer look, at what is mentioned, at what is not mentioned, one will notice something very interesting. First of all, all the additions are found in the first 14 Sukkim of the Masa'ot, and in the last 14 Sukkim of the Masa'ot. The entire section in the middle has a standard Vayisav Yachnu format. There are no additions mentioned in the entire middle section. And when we take a look at what is mentioned at the beginning, one will note that what is mentioned at the beginning are things that relate to leaving Mitzrayim, leaving a place that is Miyushav, that has water, and going into some place that's a wilderness, where there is no water, where there is no food. Let's take a look at what's mentioned. First of, of all, it mentions, They reached, reached the edge of the wilderness. They go through the Yam, and they reach the Midbar. And they go through the wilderness for three days, and then they end up in Mara. Again, it mentions water and Tmarim. These are the things that are stressed at the beginning. It talks about leaving Mitzrayim, leaving Piachirot, leaving a place that's Miyushav, going to a place with, which is a Midbar, which is wilderness, where there's no water, and how Am Yisrael dealt with the fact that there's no water, going for three days in the wilderness, reaching Mara, going to Elim, where there was some Enot Mayim, and eventually ending up in Rafidim, where there was no water at all. In Pasuk Lamed Vav, when the, once again we find, after the middle section, where there is only the standard format, it says, All of a sudden we reach Kadesh. We've reached the end of the wilderness, we've gotten again to another Eretz Miyushevet, Ktsei Eretz Adom, Vayal Aron HaKohen El Hor HaHar, Al Pi Hashem Vayamacham, Bishnat Abayim Tzei Pnei Samaim all of a sudden, we've reached the end of our journey, the end of the 40 years. 
Vayishma Knani Melacharad, all of a sudden we're in hearing distance of Melech Knan, Melech Arad, Fuyosheba Negev, Veretz Knan, Revolvene Israel. All of a sudden, we again, we go past the regular standard format of Vayisuv Yachanu, because we're stressing the fact that we've come within contact of Eretz Edom, we're within earshot of Eretz Kanaan. Vayisuv Yavol Vayichanu B'Yavarim, B'Gvul Moav. Again, we're on the border of Moav. And then the final pasuk, So then we've came, come to the banks of the Yardain, where an avot moav, and that's the final machane. In other words, what you have is a stress of the idea of Am Yisrael, leaving Eretz Mitzrayim, leaving a place that's Miyushav, going into the wilderness where there's no water, traveling through the wilderness for 40 years, and then eventually hitting the Gvul of the wilderness from the other side and coming close to Gvul Moav, Gvul Edom, close to Eretz Canaan, and eventually reaching Ever Hayardain. Okay? What we see, therefore, is that there is a certain Megama, there's a purpose to what's mentioned and what's not mentioned. What the Torah mentions specifically and focuses upon is leaving Mitzrayim, leaving a place of Yishuv, leaving a place where there is running water, leaving the land of the Nile, crossing Yamsuf, and going into the wilderness where there is no water. Lech going through the wilderness for 40 years and eventually reaching the other side of the wilderness, reaching the Eretz Yishuv on the other side, whether it be Edom, Moav, whether it be, or eventually Eretz Canaan, Ever Hayardim. The Rambam, actually the Sfarno, says as follows, Elu Mas'ei, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to mention the Masot of Bnei Israel in order to, to accent the point and the Zuchot of Am Yisrael when they left, when they left Eretz, Eretz Mitzrayim and went into an Eretz Lo Zuah and therefore based on that they were rightly to go into Eretz Canaan. The Rambam, in addition, mentions that the going through the wilderness and being sustained by Nisim for 40 years in the wilderness is a nace of such proportions that are indicative of and a proof of the existence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, it was important to enumerate the different places that they went in the Midbar, in order to, to stress this particular point, in order to that one should have a Muna and that there shouldn't be a generation that comes years later and casts a shadow of doubt on the unbelievable nace of the Man and the Be'er sustaining Am Yisrael for those 40 years. The Ramban, who mentions the Rambam, I think was also focusing on the idea of water, and therefore, the Rambam, the Ramban, was comparing Mara to Rafidim. Why is Rafidim mentioned much more explicitly than Mara? But even the Ramban is aware that what's it 
it's mentioning are the ideas of water or lack thereof in Mara, in Rafidim, and therefore the Ramban asks, why is there a greater accent on Rafidim rather than Mara? But even the Ramban was aware that Mamad Sinai is not mentioned, the Marakim is not mentioned, what is not mentioned are all the other issues that came up in the Midbar. That's not what the Torah is dealing with over here. The Torah is dealing with leaving going through the wilderness and eventually coming close to the border of Eretz Israel. And from that context, the Ramban asks, why is Rafidim stressed and why is Mara stressed much less? So basically, by taking a look at what the Torah mentions only in passing, and focusing on what the Torah goes into in greater detail, we begin to get a picture of what the purpose of the Torah was in enumerating the, the Masos of B'nai Israel in the Midbar. It's not simply a recap, but there's something that we're supposed to be learning from taking a look at the entire mas, Masot of B'nai Israel from beginning to end. By taking a look at the entire sweep of Masaot, we get a greater appreciation of what Am Yisrael went through than one might have gotten had it been limited to the account that we have in the Torah. All of a sudden, we take a look at the entire Masot of Am Yisrael. We go, th- we begin at Mitzrayim, and we take a look at the entire sweep of Masot for forty years in the, in the Midbar. And all of a sudden, we get this appreciation, and we get a fuller picture—something that we don't necessarily see when telling the story piece by piece. Okay, after the initial section dealing with the Masot Ben Yisrael, there are a number of different sections in Masay that deal basically with the Chalukah of, of uh, Eretz Yisrael, what are the borders of Eretz Yisrael, and who are the people that assume that it will that, that represent each particular Shevet. And the Torah ends with a story that's connected to Benot Tzlavchad. Right. And they complained that if Benot Slavchad are given their chelik in the Nachala, it's possible that they're going to marry somebody from a different Shevet, and then Shevet Yosef or Menashe will lose part of their section, part of their Nachala in Eretz Israel. It's a very, very strange way to end Sefer Bamidbar. And to a certain extent, it's a very strange way to end the Torah. Basically, Sefer Dvarim is Mishneh Torah, is Divrei Moshe, and Sefer Bamidbar, to a certain extent, is the end of the Arba Chumshei Torah, before one gets to Mishneh Torah, which is, to a certain extent, a separate entity. And to end on the note of an argument, a legal argument, between B'nai Yosef and between B'nai Yosefchad is a very, very strange way to, to end the Sefer. To end the Sefer, really to end, to a certain extent, to end the Torah. And what I would like to suggest is that the parsha over here discusses something which maybe has a greater importance than the local question of B'nai Yosef and B'nai Yosefchad. To a certain extent, what, what the issue that's being dealt with 
is a conflict between two different interests. On the one hand, you have the individual local interests of Vinot Safchad, who have a right to inherit the portion of Tzlovchad, their father. And on the other hand, the, it, it's com- it conflicts with the right of Shevet Menashe that have a right in the Nachla of that particular Shevet. In other words, each Shevet got a certain Nachla, and then that Nachla is divided among members of that particular Shevet. There are two different Nachalot. There's an individual Nachala, and then there's a Nachla of the Shevet. And this duality, to a certain extent, reflects the duality of living in Eretz Yisrael. On the one hand, each individual gets his Nachla, and each individual lives as an individual. But on the other hand, the the division of Shvatim remained not only through the Midbar, but in Eretz Yisrael as well. When Am Yisrael went to Eretz Yisrael, the division of Shvatim was retained. And the idea of the division of Shvatim is the idea of to retain a certain amount of harmony, of different ideas and different types of mentalities and different different groups within Am Yisrael, to retain the Shevet and what was unique about each Shevet, and to retain them as a Shevet unit, even once they go into Eretz Yisrael. As opposed to have the, the everybody almost have a melting pot. Instead of harmony, have everybody be the same. What, what the idea of Am Yisrael is to retain the uniqueness of each different Shevet and each different shevet gives its own particular aspect to the wholeness of what Am Yisrael is. Each different shevet has its own separate color, its own shade. And together they form the multi-gullet common, which is Knesset Yisrael. So the idea of Am Yisrael is to retain what's unique about each different shevet. Reuven was different than Shimon. Shimon, Shimon was different than Yehuda. And Yehuda was different than Yisachar. Each Shevet retains its own unique identity, not only when they were marching through the wilderness, but also when they reached Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, it's necessary to retain Chalukat Eretz Yisrael al Piyashvatim, that each Shevet should live within itself and retain its identity. And each Shevet should add its particular characteristics to the wholeness of what Am Yisrael is. So this issue of individual versus shevet, of harmony versus unity, is something which is being discussed in this closing section of Bamidbar. And to a certain extent, it picks up on a theme which we saw at the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar, when Am Yisrael is divided into shvatim, and each person is placed within the context of his shevet to create the entire Machne Israel, which is that multicolored garment where you have each Shevet and three Shvatim form a Degel and the four Degelim form the unity of what Am Yisrael is. What you have here is that even as Am Yisrael goes from Me'arvot Moav and into Eretz Kanaan, Am Yisrael is to ret- retain the Shevet format and each Shevet has to retain its own unique identity. And therefore, what you have here is a certain conflict 
between the individual on the one hand and the shaver on the other hand. And what you have here is a resolution whereby the individual is able to receive his own particular inheritance without being to the detriment of the nachla of the shevet as a shevet. So what you have here is the individual being finding its place within the shevet and not coming at the expense of the shevet. So more or less what you have here at the end of Bamidbar is picking up on a theme that we saw at the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar and to a certain extent at this point Sefer Bamidbar comes you know, to a close and a certain amount of closure picking up on a theme that we had at the beginning of Bamidbar when Am Yisrael began its march towards Yerz Kanaan it was stopped abruptly at Chetam Raglim we have a new generation that picks up on those themes the Machina is recreated, and Am Yisrael now is ready to go into Eretz Yisrael, taking into account those same ideas of the individual finding his own particular role within the Shevet. However, I think that there might be another theme that the Torah is picking up on, and that's perhaps at the Pasuk which we have at the beginning of the last section, Vayikru Rashea Avot Meshpacha Bnei Gilad Ben Machir Ben Menashem Meshpacha Bnei Yosef. And the question is, why is Yosef mentioned over here? Why is there a stress here on Meshpacha Bnei Yosef? Kein Mate Bnei Yosef Dovrim. Why? Why Bnei Yosef? What's wrong with Bnei Gilad Ben Machir Ben Menashe? We deal with an issue that has to do with the. Nachla of Menashe. Why is Bnei Yosef stressed? So there could be two answers to this. One, that in general we see that Bnei Yosef are showing a great love for Eretz Yisrael, and that we see in general. But I think there might be another idea here as well. And what I want to do is go back to a Pasuk that we saw at the end of Pereshit. Vaya Yosef Ephraim Bnei Shleishim in other words, what you have is the children of Machir, the son of Menashe, were born in the lifetime of Yosef, and Yosef, more or less before he died, was Zochet to play with his with his great grandchildren, with the children of Bnei Machir, Ben Menashe. That were Yuldu al Yosef. Who are the children of Machir? Gilad. Gilad, uh, Gilad is the child of Machir. Basically, what you have over here in our in our pasuk is that the children of Machir of Gilad ben Machir ben Menashe are the ones who come now to Moshe to Moshe with the request of of their shevet that they shouldn't lose the nachla, which to my mind, throws us back to the end of Bracious. Gilad we've already met. Gilad was born at the time of Yosef, in the lifetime of Yosef. We've already met him at the end of Bracious. In the closing Pesukim of Bracious, we find Yosef playing with Gilad ben Machir ben Menashe. These are the Bnei Shileishim. And the Pasuk tells us at the end of Ayichi, Vaya Yosef Afraim Bnei Shleishim, 
גם במחיר במנשה יולדו אבכי יוסף. And then, ויאמר יוסף לאחיו, אנוכי מת ואלוקים פקוד יפקוד אתכם, ולא אתכם אל הארץ הזאת, אל הארץ אשר נשבע לאברהם ליצחק ויעקב. יוסף tells his brothers, הקדוש ברוך הוא, I am dying, and הקדוש ברוך הוא remember you. וישפה יוסף את בני ישראל לאמור, פקוד יפקוד אלוקים אתכם, ואייתם את עצמותיים מזה. I am going to die, and I משפיע you that you should bring back my bones with you. וימר את יוסף בן מאה ועשר שנים, ויחנתו אותו וישם ברום ממצרים. At the end of Bracious we already pick up the beginning of Galut. Yosef tells his brothers, I'm going to die, my bones will be buried here, HaKadosh Baruch will remember you, there will eventually be a Geula, there will be a Galus, but there will be a Geula, there will be a Shibut, but there will be a Geula. And at the point of Geula, you will take me back with you. This he tells in the lifetime of Gilad ben Machir ben Menashe ben Yosef, who played on his legs. Before, the Pasuk before, this ominous, this ominous nevuah that tells of the foreboding Shibud, but also of the eventual Geula, we find Yosef playing with Gilad ben Machir ben Menashe. Yosef is playing with his great-grandchildren. And it's the children of these people that go at the end of Sefer Bamidbar and they request their Nachla in Eretz Yisrael. The Torah is throwing us back to the end of Sefer Bracious and basically saying we're closing full circle. That Nevoah of Yosef, Yosef who played with Gilad ben Machir ben Menashe ben Yosef and then told his brothers there will be a terrible Shibud, told his brothers, Pakod Yifkod Elkim this is when it's about to happen. Am Yisrael came out of Mitzrayim. They took Asmot Yosef with him. They were Chotin Raglan. Forty years they wandered in Midbar. Am Yisrael finally are on at Avot Moab. They're about to cross the Yardin. And the Torah tells us we've come full circle. Here we are. We're about to go into Eretz Yisrael. We're about to go back. The end is near. Am Yisrael is about to cross the Yardin together with Asmot Yosef. And the vision of Yosef at the end of Sefer Breshit is about to be realized. All of a sudden we have closure and all of a sudden we have a throwback not only to the beginning of Parshat Shmot, to the first, mas- to the first of the Masa'ot that Am Yisrael take at the end of Beshalach when they're eventually freed, all of a sudden the Torah goes back and says, we come first circle. We're not, we, it's not a culmination of the first Masa, it's the culmination of the end of Breshit. Basically, it's the end of the Galut. It's the end of... It's the, end, it's, a, it's, a, it's the realization of the vision of Yosef Pakori Yifkoro Kimetchem. Va'aitem et asmotam izayetchem. This is it. This is when the vision is eventually to be realized and the Torah throws us back to the end of, to the end of Breshis, to that pastoral vision of, the, of Gilad playing on the, on, on the lap of Yosef and his children are those that are waiting at the Ever Hayardin and discussing and arguing with Moshe Rabbeinu about the Nachla they're eventually going to get. The Torah throws us back to say that here it is. We've come full circle. There's closure and the dream is right here being realized.